to the Cougar Tailgate, where BYU fandom lives. Here's your hosts, Jason Shepard and Lauren McClain. What is up, Cougar fans, and welcome back to the Cougar Tailgate. The BYU basketball team is fresh off an away trip to Uncasville, Connecticut, splitting games against USC and St. John's. Meanwhile, football is warming up for an impromptu top 25, or should I say top 20, or should I say top 15, matchup with the Chanticleers. Thank you, ESPN. I'm Lauren McLean. And I'm Jason Shepard. Yeah, this week and next we have basketball and football doubleheader Saturdays. You know what? It's cold outside, so why not just stay in, maybe watch, listen to BYU Sports with us. Look, today it starts with undefeated BYU football against similarly undefeated Coastal Carolina. And the funny thing about this was as late as Wednesday this week, actually about halfway through the basketball game against St. John's, we were still anticipating BYU football having a bye week and going two straight weeks without playing a game. But hey, it's 2020 and anything can happen, including football on a moment's notice. And after football wraps, we have a rivalry on the hardwood with Cougar basketball versus Utah State. And we'll be chatting with Gary Wilkinson, a forward from Utah State's 07-09 team, later in the program to talk about the Aggies. Football was on a bye last week, but as we mentioned, basketball was busy with the Legends Classic at the Mohegan Sun in Connecticut. But the big news of the day and where we need to start is football is playing tonight. So yeah, very interesting timeline for this football game to play out. This was a game originally scheduled for Coastal Carolina against Liberty. Mm-hmm. So they were going to face... Liberty, Liberty, yeah. Liberty. Look, I, like I'm assuming most everybody else, immediately think of the jingle every time I hear Liberty. <laughs> yep. Do I sing it just like you did? Yes, I do. <laughs> but <laughs> we all think it. But the that was the original game for today was Coastal Carolina versus Liberty, two top 25 teams. ESPN College game day was there. I mean, so awesome. So, I mean, having that is, is big. But unfortunately for Liberty, they ended up having some COVID issues, and there were enough COVID issues uh, within the Liberty program. They just were not able to play. BYU gets word of this. Tom Holma said he, he kind of got an inkling Wednesday morning. Hey, pay attention to Coastal Carolina. And then, boom, it happened. They get an agreement. And now what was a top 25, now it's a matchup of two top 20 teams. And quite frankly, it's an even better matchup for Coastal Carolina in terms of you have a higher-ranked opponent. So, And for BYU, they would have been happy to play anybody. The fact that you're getting an opportunity to take on another ranked team especially where you're ranked now at number 13 in the college football playoffs, with a win in this game, that that should put you into the New Year's Six Bowl game. That this, should. This is, I don't, I don't know if I would say the best case scenario for both it's teams, but my goodness, it is really high up there. Not that Liberty's not a great team either, but you know ESPN is licking its chops right now that BYU was able to step in and College Game Day is there. Two undefeated teams who are fighting for a spot in the New Year's Six Bowl game. This is just a fantastic storyline for everybody, and I've loved seeing what all the national media is saying about it. And Oh, it's, it's going to be awesome. With, and the thing about this is, any other year, a matchup with Coastal Carolina is not going to be a big deal. But this year, it is. And, and you take the matchup and where both teams are ranked, and then you put it this late in the year, that adds an entirely different layer to this conversation, that this matchup is happening in December 
a couple of weeks away from the final college football playoff rankings. Like this could not have come at a better time for BYU because let's not forget they still have San Diego State on the schedule. Yes. So so this is this is and who knows they may still try and schedule a game on the nineteenth. Mm-hmm. So this may be one of BYU's final three games for all we know. Right now it's it's tonight. Or rather today against you know Coastal Carolina and then next week at home against San Diego State, but there there's a, a decent chance maybe they add something on the nineteenth. But the, but if BYU wins and they win handily in today's game, and they're favored, BYU's favored, they are favored to win, and it could be a really close game. I the the sh- the Chant Why do I feel like I have to say, <laughs> you have it, to say like it with that? an accent? because I think it is a French word. But I they're a great team. They have a really good quarterback. Um, they are small. BYU has the size advantage. They've, they, their defense has not seen anything like Zach Wilson. So definitely BYU has the advantage in this game. But I feel like they still need to come out for, because we've seen how stubborn the, the college football committee can be. Right. So I feel like they still need to come out and win handily, at least by double digits against Coastal Carolina for them to, to make a good run. See, I, moving up some spots. I think. My own personal opinion. Now, again, it's going to be biased a little bit. Yep. But I think a win, regardless, should vault BYU up a spot or two minimum, in my opinion. But what we've clearly seen is that the committee is not impressed with BYU. Exactly. Here's the thing. I, I just don't know. Underst- I don't understand. It. Let's. And again, we're making a, a lot of assumptions on how the game's going to play out today. We certainly expect BYU to win this game. But I, even if BYU were to win by a touchdown or win by three or four, to me, you you can't keep the strength of schedule argument anymore because this is a top 20 team in your own rankings. Right. You Even though BYU is the higher-seeded team, they're favored to win, it's still beating a ranked team in your metrics. Yep. So even if it's by three or four, you if, if you don't give BYU boost, then I think that leads more people to believe that this is more than just metrics keeping BYU out of this. 100% agree. And this is on the road for BYU at a moment's yeah. notice on the surf turf. Yeah. If you will, not the surf turf, the teal. surf turf. It teal is turf. Teal. That's, wow. I've, I've never watched Coastal Carolina on TV. I'm, I'm admitting it right now. I'm excited to see what that looks like because it kind of hurts my eyes when I watch <laughs> Boise State. So teal might be a little easier on the eyes. Here's a little fun fact, though. This is the sixth time in December that two undefeated teams have played each other. So that's pre-bowl games ever, yeah, ever in history. That's why I think it's so this big is... to get this specific matchup this late in the season. That's yeah. why I think it's big. Okay, I, w- I want to read a tweet. Now, this tweet came out on Thursday afternoon uh, from uh, from Ross Dellinger. <laughs> he, he's a, he's a writer for, for SI, and he, he tweeted out um, the Coastal Carolina head coach is Jamie Chadwell. So, and, and Ross tweeted out, I'll just read it verbatim. Coastal coach Jamie Chadwell says he phoned staff members at the two Sunbelt teams that played BYU. So that was Texas State and Troy. Those teams lost by a combined 100 to 21 score. One of those staff members told him, quote, do you know what you're getting into? End quote. <laughs> the other said, quote, do the opposite of everything we did, end quote. <laughs> so I thought that was great. Oh, so funny. So if someone of people were talking about how funny Jamie Chadwell is. 
I need to go back and watch that uh, that press conference because I, I didn't hear the entire thing. But they said the Coastal Carolina's coach is really, really funny. I absolutely love that. But we obviously know Coastal Carolina, they're not scared. No. They're not scared of this game. They are, they are excited and they're ready to go, See, man. Here's the thing for Coastal Carolina. They're not... They're not in line for a college football playoff. And in all likelihood, BYU's not in line for a college football playoff berth. It's about New Year's Six for both of these yes. teams. But there, there's far less pressure on Coastal Carolina to win because you've got to remember, they're in, a, they're in a conference. They still have the opportunity to win their conference. BYU has to win this game. So, and, but now that doesn't mean that pride doesn't kick in and right. the fact that the Chanticleers are at home. <laughs> You know what I mean? So they, 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 by no means are they saying we don't care if we win this game, but there's far less on the line for them than there is for the Cougars. This is the most attention they have received ever. Yeah. Ever. They were 5-7 and seven last year, and I just think – and they were picked last. They, yeah. Did you know they were picked to finish <laughs> yes. last in their conference? So, man, they, they have more than proved themselves so far this year. So I 100% agree. The pressure is on BYU's shoulders. It really is. And, and yes, pride and, and competitiveness yeah. always kick in. And there's, it's going to be a little fiery. I hope so, anyway. I love, so, so, I love me a fiery game. Yeah, absolutely. So Conway, South Carolina, I, I had no idea where that was at. But yeah. apparently it's near Myrtle Beach. Oh, so, pretty. Yeah, so it is, and I've certainly heard of Myrtle Beach. I've never been there. I have been to South Carolina, however. Have you been to South Carolina? I have not been. I've been to North Carolina, but not South. I've, I've been to both. Uh, I've been to Charleston, South Carolina, mm. and it was probably at least, I don't know, probably 10, 12 years ago, um, in the middle of the summer. I do not recommend that uh, to anyone. It was the most <laughs> humid I have ever felt in my life. Uh, but yeah, so Conway, South Carolina is is near Myrtle Beach. If, if those uh, who've been to Myrtle Beach, uh, you know the area, then that's where BYU will be. Well, there you go. Also, another fun fact, uh, president of Coastal Carolina, or soon to be, is a BYU yeah. alum. His name is Michael Benson. Yeah, I saw I saw something on uh, Twitter the day that the, the agreement was um, was announced. And he's like, we love our time at BYU. We've always loved BYU. We'll always love BYU. But we're Team Teal right but now. But go Chanticleers. Yeah, he's like, we're, I think he said Team Teal. So <laughs> That's so cool. Shep, what do you make of these uh, pop-out eye emojis that are going around Twitter? <laughs> well, it's changed how I look at the pop-out eye emoji now. Right? Because now every time I see it, I'm going to assume there's some sort of BYU scheduling announcement. <laughs> I know. Well, I just <laughs> I love that even the, the, the coaches get involved. Yeah, With well, and, I, and that was clearly to just troll everybody, oh, which I love. The, the the best one, and what I should have done was write down exactly what he tweeted out, but Harvey Unga put, like, just random tweet <laughs> emojis. Like, it was no rhyme or reason, but there was, like, 15 of them. Everyone's just random trying to encrypt emojis. it. They're like, what does well, this mean? What does this mean? What, what, does, what does the grapefruit mean? I don't understand what that... <laughs> I love the impatience of fans. And I'm totally there with them. I totally am. But it's so funny even to go read the comments underneath these pop-out eye emojis. I want to I say this. Stuart Mandel, who was infamous for saying that uh, BYU ducked out of that Washington matchup uh, last week, but he tweeted out that Tom Homo should get AD of the Year. He asked for forgiveness. As he should, but no, I mean, the AD the part. Fans. I'm not saying yes. that Stuart Mandel needed to ask for forgiveness, <laughs> That's, but he absolutely should get AD of the Year. Tom Homo deserves every bit of that. Congratulations to Tom Homo. I'm serious. He said in his press conference on Thursday that the football gods really helped this yeah, yeah, <laughs> game Lavelle, come to fruition. Lavelle, Lavelle was stirring things yes, up exactly. up there I in heaven. I love that line. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was like, did he just say that? I absolutely love that he just said that. Now, so so Tom Homo is he has done everything in his power and more to make things happen. So congratulations to him and the football team. I'm just so excited that they get to play another game and have it be such an incredible matchup for for them and for the seniors. And just this 2020 year has been so interesting. But really, it's kind of been fantastic for BYU. As weird as this year has been, it has been really good for BYU football. You know what the irony of all of this is? What has been the biggest uh, criticism... Uh, well, I don't want to say the biggest, but certainly one of the biggest criticisms that fans have had about an independent schedule. And I'll quickly answer it. It's the fact that you can't have meaningful games at the end of the year because everybody's in a conference. Right. Okay. Well, BYU's getting this and getting maybe its most meaningful game in decades because they're not in a conference. Mm-hmm. This is not possible if BYU's in a conference in all likelihood. So I think that's I think that's pretty ironic that one of the things people have complained the most about with being an independent is that you can't schedule meaningful games in in November in normal seasons or just late in the season as as this season you know looks with, since we're in December. But the reason that BYU is getting it is because they're independent and have the flexibility completely. And what other team in the entire country can drop everything? Yeah. Immediately, three days before the game is supposed to be played, and travel across the country to that stadium to play. And Tom even in reference that, like we don't we don't have we don't have a conference that we have to go through and jump through the hoops. Right, it's like no, to, we to try, we're yeah, there. Yeah, we can do it. Let's do it. And let's send let's send the truck out the day before. If we have to have it come back because it doesn't happen, great. But we're sending the equipment trunk at the truck out, which I think is great. It, oh man, I just think of being a player. On this team, just how insane this year had to have been for them. It's like, guys, guys, we're going to South Carolina tomorrow. All right, let's go, go, go. You know, like yeah. they're just they they practice super late. Uh, you know, before they they had to travel, and it just it's just been insane. It's been so fun. Absolutely, football is the fun, new and exciting news of the week. But there's still a basketball game on the schedule to talk about. Jason, you got to go call the game to get on the radio, so we'll let you go. And when we come back, we'll look at the other games played tonight. BYU versus Utah State. Yeah, it's good to talk with you. Have fun the rest of the show. And if there are any cops uh, listening up Sardine Canyon as I head to Logan, (laughs) please don't give me a ticket. (laughs) Please shut your eyes. (laughs) All right, see you, Shep. See ya. Tailgate. I'm Lauren McLean. Every week we try to give insight to the various teams the Cougars play. We've already talked football. And remember, if you miss any of the show or want to listen back, you can catch the Cougar Tailgate podcast anywhere you get podcasts. Now we focus back on the basketball season that is heating up. Tonight is an in-state matchup with Utah State, and we have former Aggie big man Gary Wilkinson on Zoom with us today. He played on the 07-09 teams. Welcome into the Cougar Tailgate, Gary. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. So you played at the Spectrum when it was full of fans, and unfortunately that won't be the case this time. But can you describe what that atmosphere was like at full capacity in a rivalry game like tonight? I don't think that there, at least in my time, there was a better place to play in the country than the Spectrum. 
with with games like this. It was it was so loud and so intense. I mean, I remember games when we were playing against Nevada where <clears throat> um, we couldn't even hear the whistle uh, when the ref blew the whistle. And uh, <laughs> when we played BYU, it uh, it was just it was just a fantastic environment. And I think I remember when we played BYU BYU at uh, was it, was it the Delta Center? I can't remember. It's gone through Energy Solutions maybe at the time. Uh-huh. It, it was pretty much that same atmosphere. It was it was so loud and uh, it, it meant so much to so many people. It was just a fun thing to be a part of. Yeah, it, the Spectrum is an insane place to uh, watch a basketball game. And I, I can't even imagine what's it like to be a player. Have, have Has anything changed since you've been a player at Utah State in that regard? Um. Yeah, I mean, after after Coach Morrill uh, retired, it it got a little quieter. But since Coach Smith has been back, I think a lot of the Spectrum magic has come back. Uh, but like you already recognized, <laughs> you may not be able to re- uh, to experience that under the current circumstances. Right. You mentioned Stu Morrill was the head coach while you played. What's a Coach Morrill memory that comes to your mind? That's one of your favorites. Oh, that's a good question. There's a there's a lot of them. Um, coach Morrill, coach Morrill was a very reserved individual, but, uh, sometimes when, when, when good things happen, when we would sweep road, road games, when we go on the road and win two in a row, he would do what's called the sweep dance and coach Morrill <laughs> for, for a lot of BYU fans may, may not know, but, uh, he's a sick, he was a, at that time, a six, nine, 370 or 300 and something pound guy <laughs> dancing around the locker room. It was pretty pretty awesome memory to, to see that so that's one of my favorite memories what was that like as a player to watch that just watch a man of that size dancing around the locker room oh I mean it was just extra motivation to to win on the road to to see that he uh it it, it was it was not it was the size but also he was just such a reserved guy that to <laughs> to to see coach Morrill doing things like that was just so out of character that it, it made it all the more enjoyable Oh, I love that. I'm sure the players loved that. So so USU and BYU were both on their way to March Madness last year, led by strong seniors before things got shut down. But you went to the dance during your time as well. What was the tournament experience like for you? Well, it's everything that a college player hopes to, to be a part of. Um, it, w- it was great. Uh, we, played, we played Marquette in the first round, and um, we were having a great season and, and to kind of – get into to the big dance and, and be a part of all of the all of the fanfare that went along with it was just it was just a great experience and, and something that uh, every college player shoots for so I don't I don't reflect on it too much because it's it's a bitter memory we were up six and uh, with two minutes left and ended up losing that game but so it, it's it's a bittersweet memory for me you don't like to talk about it too much. <laughs> No, I don't. You can ask my wife. We, it was a dark day in our marriage. You know, it, was, it was tough for us all. It's one of those topics you do not breach. I can understand that. I totally can. So BYU and USU have only played a handful of games so far this season, but what do you expect from the matchup tonight? You know, with, with a matchup like this, it's no matter what is going on in, in the individual seasons of the team it seems to bring out the best in both Mm -hmm. and so I feel like there it's just going to be a competitive hard-fought game with uh with big players stepping up and making big plays um you know I I think that it just there's so much it's so emotionally driven that that it makes for 
a really fun uh, game to watch. We're talking to Gary Wilkinson, who played for the Aggies from 07 to 09. Gary, what are some of the unique traditions that the fans have that are some of your favorites there at Utah State? Yeah, well, we we had what's called the refraction when I was there, um, which a, a number of the fans would would research players on the other team and, and make a like a little newsletter for the for the fan section. So they had specific chants when a specific player received the ball. Um, I mean, they were so well researched; it it was mind boggling. It made me think how good of a students they were if they could do that much for us as a basketball team. <laughs> Um, and we had a ton of, we had the winning team, losing team chant, uh, and, uh, there is just, our fans were just unbelievable and are just unbelievable. So those were, those were the traditions that I remember the chance and the, and the refraction and just that fan experience. Aggies fans are nothing but, uh, very good at their research when it comes to the opposing teams. That is, that is definitely something I have seen. So superstitions, I think are, are some of the funnest things that the players can do just to hear about them. Did you have any weird superstitions as a player that you did on game day? Um, I, my big thing was being the first one in the gym. Uh, for me, uh, in home games, like I just had a weird thing that I had to be the first one there getting taped up out on the floor. If I wasn't, it just kind of, it threw me off. That was my, that was really my only one as, as my career progressed into playing professionally, I had to eat a certain meal like spaghetti, just to kind of like, (laughs) just keep things. You have so much more mentally going on that if you can just create kind of a routine, it, it takes that aspect out of it. So, um, those were really my only superstitions as a player. I was pretty boring. I mean, you know, I, I really didn't focus on my teammates superstitions either. So I couldn't tell you what theirs were, but, uh, but mine were pretty boring. Hey, that's all right. You were focused on the game. You were focused on what was important. It's all right. So so a lot of people, Logan is a beautiful, beautiful place, a fairly small town, but it is growing. What's one of your favorite things to do in Logan? If you were to tell somebody that was visiting there for the first time something to do, what would it be? To go to an Aggie sports event. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, Logan is beautiful. I mean, there's outdoors. There's Bear Lake. Um, skiing up here is phenomenal. Uh, but... Honestly, like we we are so centered around Utah State up here and, and the Aggies that I think that's that's what that's what I would tell people to do. Go go be a part of that because that's what our community is built around and and we love Utah State up here. So, um, yeah. And I know we're talking basketball, but uh, football recently has upgraded their stadium. What do you think about that? Yeah, it looks great. It's I mean they've you know since I've been here they've made a lot of positive additions that I didn't really get to enjoy, but, um, it looks, it looks like a a top tier football stadium. And, and, uh, you know, I think we're, we're headed in a direction that will, will fill that stadium once again, and then make things, uh, make things all the more enjoyable. Gary, before we go, we, we've gotten to know the sports side of you a little bit, but share some, give us an idea of some of your personal story and your journey that led you to Utah state. Oh, okay. I mean, <laughs> I can give you a three-minute synopsis, I guess. So, yeah, I mean, I've had the uh, the opportunity to to share this quite a bit, but my mine's a little less traditional than most college athletes. I was a high school dropout um, and uh, ended up joining the LDS Church, served a mission, didn't play a second of high school basketball, got home. 
from my mission, uh, decided that I didn't want to pay for, for school. So I tried to find the, the best way to do that. I was uh, fortunate enough to run into Coach Norm Parrish, who's now the coach at Westminster, who was the coach at Salt Lake's uh, Community College at the time. He, uh, I went down and played there twice. He offered me a full-ride scholarship. Uh, so I played at Salt Lake Community College from 2005 to 2007, and then um, was offered a number of scholarships around the country from Miami uh, and Fresno State, Boise State, Texas Tech, all, a lot of schools around the country. Side of Utah State was the best fit for, for my wife and myself. She played volleyball, I played basketball, and then played up here for two years. We uh, had an unbelievable uh, unbelievable success and then went to play professionally in uh South Korea, Greece, uh, New Zealand, the Australian League for three years, Estonia, off-season in Puerto Rico, and then uh, got done with that or decided to, to try something different, uh, went to law school at the University of Utah, and now I'm an attorney. Wow. So. Wow. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin with that story. <laughs> that, is, <laughs> that is an incredible story. My goodness. So, okay, let's start off. You You, you mentioned you did not play a lick of of high school ball because you dropped out. How were you able to kind of hone your skills in and able to, to be able to be recruited by anybody? Yeah. So, I mean, I played a lot of basketball, uh, growing up and, uh, was fairly decent at it. I didn't try out as a freshman. I got cut as a sophomore and then just kind of gave up on that and got into the drug scene and, and, uh, my life kind of spiraled out of control for a while. And I didn't, I mean, I didn't really, I guess I honed my skills on my mission. You know, I just, hmm. every P day played basketball and got home and, you know, was, was, I mean, it was a week after my mission, I got home and was signed to a scholarship. So, wow. uh, it was a pretty, uh, miraculous set of circumstances and I got home in June. So the fact that there were scholarships remaining at slick, uh, at that time when the season started a couple months later was, was pretty fortunate as well. Yeah, that's that is pretty miraculous. My goodness, that is an amazing story. Real quick, what was your what was your favorite place to play professionally? Which country? Um, I would have to say New Zealand. Uh, I love the people. Uh, I love the environment. Uh, we won two championships down there. Uh, it was just it was a a fun place to play. The Australian league is really really good, and uh, it was. It was great. I mean, and, and it's summertime during basketball season. So we lived a couple minute walk from the beach. So I'd get down with practice and my wife and I and our kids would head down to the beach and enjoy, enjoy our time. And it was, it was a really pleasant way to, to make a living. I'll say, I'll say it that way. Oh, that sounds dreamy. Gary, what a, what an incredible story. Thank you so much for sharing that with us and, and taking the time to be here with us on Cougar Tailgate. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, Lauren. You appreciate it. The opportunity. That was Gary Wilkinson, who played for the Aggies from 07 to 09. BYU and Utah State tip off tonight at 7 p.m. Mountain Time with our friend Jason Shepard on the call. Listen in for that. Thanks for listening. You can join the Cougar Tailgate virtually, of course, every Saturday at noon Mountain Time or download, rate, and review our podcast on Apple, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, or on BYURadio.org. And head over to BYURadio.org or the app for the Cougars versus the Chanticleers. Let's get it. This is Cougar Tailgate.